Educator Ewan Blackman hosts the You and Me and the ISD podcast, connecting the community to the local school district and ins and outs of how to work together to improve the quality of education for our next generations. Here's your host, Ewan Blackman. Welcome to You and Me and the ISD podcast on the OBBM network. I'm Ewan Blackman, your host, and I'm here today with Tabitha Branham from the Richardson ISD School Board. She's in fact the new superintendent, and we'll be having a conversation today just a little bit about how the uh, IRSD works, what's coming up, and uh, how things are going over there at the Richardson Independent School District. So welcome, Tabitha. Thank you for having me today. Well, thank you for being with us. And uh, just as a way of introduction, I know you did the uh, soup with the super mm-hmm. on NBC5. Great show. Good, good way to look at some of the uh, personal side of what it takes to be a superintendent. Yes, sir. But for the uh, way of our audience, if you could give us a little introduction to yourself, where you come from. I understand uh, Kilgore featured large in your uh, past. Yes. Um, and that's a shout out to some of my former students who um, aimed and, and some of them went to Kilgore College to, uh, to do their, uh, their stuff. So tell us a little about that, a little bit about your history. Sure. So I actually was, I grew up as a daughter of a, someone in the Air Force and so moved around a lot in my early years. Um, And then around high school, my parents decided that I needed some stability. And so we actually moved to Texas from California after living in Nevada, um, Arizona, Ohio, um, lots of different places. Collecting quarters. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Yes, I was collecting quarters. And so I actually graduated high school um, from South Lake Carroll. That was back when it was a small 3A town. Um, We were um, in the heyday of winning the state championships under the coaching of the infamous Bob Ledbetter. And um, following high school, uh, and believe it or not, my husband and I, we met in high school. We were high school sweethearts. I was a freshman and he was a junior. His dad was our superintendent. So my father-in-law, at the time I didn't know, but my future father-in-law actually handed me my diploma and his signature is on our diploma. So it's a very special thing. But after graduating South Lake Carroll, I went to Kilgore as a ranger ed. I, I danced my whole life and was not ready to give that up. Um, and then my husband and I, after leaving Kilgore, we got married. He was a graduate, a proud graduate of Texas A&M University. Oh, there you go. And we settled up in the Metroplex. And I knew really early on and that I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I think I knew from the time that I was little. I would line up, you know, my dolls. Um, if I had friends over at my house, hmm. my bedroom was turned into a classroom. And I was always teaching. Um, I, I, it was a calling. Like I just, I knew that's what I wanted. And then having both of my in-laws were educators, and having their influence, and seeing they were just such successful uh, school leaders, um, and then district leaders, and to see what they did and their impact, I knew that that was what I was meant to do. And so I had the opportunity, I taught in Carrollton Farmers Branch, I taught in South Lake Carroll, but I spent most of my career in Coppell ISD. I was a junior high teacher, went on to become a high school principal there, worked in central office. The hardest job in many ways, middle school teaching. Middle school teaching, a junior high Texas history and US history teacher, but I will tell you, I loved it. I loved teaching that sixth, seventh and eighth grade. There was a maturity about them that you could have really rich conversations, yeah. but man, they still loved you. And they right? wanted their hugs and <laughs> affirmation. Um, For sure. It, so it, that's really where I think I learned to be a really good teacher. Um, yeah, that's great. And then I joined the Richardson ISD team nine years ago. And oh, time, flies. Uh, it time flies. And I love this district so very much. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, and that's uh, so so true. Time flying. And now you have some of your own family is in the school district. So I not do. just the leader of the school district in terms of the staff and the teachers and and formulating the future and the, the plans for the future, but also at the same time you you have your own students that are subject to some of these uh, goals and uh, um, vision that you have. Absolutely. Well, I have um, four four kids in our family, and my oldest son is actually a teacher for us at White Rock Elementary, and he loves it. Um, he knows that he has found his calling as well. My second son is in grad school at A&M, and then I have a daughter who's a junior at Pierce. She's a cheerleader and very involved in all things related to the Pierce Mustangs. And then I have a second grader at Spring Creek, and then my parents live with us. We, they've lived with us now for two years, and even though my dad is retired, he was not ready uh, to just, you know, live that full retirement life. He still right. wanted to have a purpose. And so he actually joined the staff of Greenwood Hills and he serves as the campus technology oh, manager wow. there. So I have like in-house market no research. Wow. Like I'm I've heard getting, of empty nesting. you got full nesting. I've got full <laughs> nesting and I get feedback, um, oh. you know, every day around wow. what's working and what's not working and what could be better. No, yeah. And so I, I get it both from a student and a staff, you know, perspective every single day. And then my husband, right. you know, he he's an educator as well. And so I also get perspective from him around as a parent, yeah. you know, like, man, that communication could have been faster. Or So, so by the time the community's coming at you, like if I'm bringing I've you heard it all. stuff, you already, yeah, you've <laughs> already been there. Yes, and, and, and speaking of that, how do you, how do you deal with those challenges of being a superintendent and having some folks, because there is vast disagreement in, in a community because there's a, a plethora of different uh, um, people, backgrounds, philosophies, political, religious, uh, personal, and and how do you how do you deal with some of that and and more specifically how how do your husband I guess he had to be one here to be here to discuss that but but how do you discuss some of the 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 wranglings that go on and some of the and and thankfully it's it's calmed down a lot of late it hasn't been as as um, feisty as uh, perhaps it hasn't in past but how do you deal with some of that to to navigate some of that as a family that that your your, your kids at school might hear things that that are unpleasant and we'll talk about some of the yonder stuff going forward and not taking away our cell phones no please all that type of things that, that that you might get to to navigate as you go forward i had a real open and honest conversation with my family before making the decision to even uh, you know apply to become the future superintendent in richardson isd because I knew as much of, of a decision it was for me that it was a family decision. Um, and I do feel like I have worked really hard to build relationships in the community, um, to, to really be someone that uh, the community may recognize, they, they may not love and, and uh, um, maybe may not agree with every decision I sure, make, sure. but I do believe that I'm earning, I'm not there yet, but I'm earning that trust that if I'm bringing forward something, it's coming from a genuine place of, what I believe we need to do to move student outcomes forward. So that conversation with my family was a real honest one, that there are going to be times that as students, they might hear something from a peer or they might hear something from a teacher. Right. And how were they going to handle that and how were they going to feel about that? And my daughter was um, very, you know, she's like, Mom, Mom, I'm a big girl. I can handle it. Um, and she's really learned some great coping skills when she gets asked of, like, I know, I can't believe my mom did that too. You know, like right. she, there's, some, there's some moments where she's just learned or, you know what, that I don't really know anything about that. My mom's not allowed to talk to me about that. So and Let's hold that thought because I think we have a hard break here, but we'll come sure. back and discuss a little more with Tabitha Branham and, and how we can transform learning in our community, our classroom, and our campus. It seems like there's never enough time in your business to get everything done that you need to. Searching for the right employees to represent your brand and satisfy your customers was already hard enough. And now there are even fewer options out there. 
How do you find the right people and keep them? My name is Terrell Tipton with Insperity, and we offer HR services that make your company make sense. Too often, local business owners take on HR activities, wanting to run their business on a shoestring, but that can mean sacrificing revenue-generating activities that allow you to continue to grow and serve your community at the level you want. Call 972-409-4316 today. I'll walk you through Insperity's outsourced HR services and health insurance options and help you come up with a plan that gets the most out of your business and your budget. Insperity provides stability to businesses in uncertain times and has been helping companies just like yours since 1986. Call 972-409-4316 and talk to me, Terrell Tipton. It's time for your business to run better, grow faster, and make more money. 972-409-4316. Call today. One last time, 972-409-4316. Move freely, America, without medical restrictions or penalty. Without medical freedom legislation in place, our rights and freedoms are one vote away from being dissolved. Move freely, America, with one voice, without fear of retribution, achieving a common goal, medical freedom. We the people make our voices heard by connecting with state legislators and engaging a constitutionally compliant medical bill of rights for all citizens. Individually, change is improbable, but as an aggregate, attainable. It's time to act with one voice. My voice. And my voice. And my voice. And my voice. To protect our freedom, creating one voice that cannot be ignored. This requires your voice, too. Move Freely America. Go to movefreelyamerica.org to find a chapter near you. Plug in, donate, and help our legislators defend our God-given rights under the Constitution. Move Freely America. My voice. And my voice. And together with your voice, we're one voice that cannot be ignored. Donate today. Movefreelyamerica.org. The OBBM Network is the premier voice for local business, and we take that responsibility seriously. The OBBM Network has everything you need to grow and transition your business for success on popular syndicated podcast networks, Roku and other video channels, and the OBBM Network app. We work for you, local business, and we've got your back. Welcome back to You and Me and the ISD. I'm your host, Ewan Blackman. Chatting here with Tabitha Branham, uh, superintendent of the Richardson ISD School Board. And we're just going to segue into talking about family and, and community involvement and how we can uh, look at the transformative learning, the TLC3, I think. There's a piece you wrote uh, a while back uh, on digital learning. And, and it was a very forward-looking piece about how does technology integrate into the school system today and what advantages can we get out of that. If you'd like to talk a little bit about how you see what RISD is doing with um, technology and what's happening in, in the space uh, for us going forward. Sure, I think technology can play an incredible, a really important role in the education of our students. Um, I think for me, it is really being focused on helping our students shift their understanding of using technology as a tool for entertainment and shifting it to using technology as a tool for efficiency, productivity, um, being able to share their ideas and their solutions and their in their problem solving. Um, I think innately our students use it for you know the the opportunity to communicate and to um, share their ideas and to uh, but they don't necessarily TikTok. see how important yeah and TikToks right. and the likes um, and they don't always necessarily see how it can be used um, in, a, in a real tool for learning if you would have asked me uh, 10 years ago would there ever be a day in education where a hundred percent of your students and staff would be teaching virtually 
I, I would have told you that that's never going to happen. And yet the pandemic really forced all educators and all educational systems to quickly shift to virtual learning. And I think through that experience, we learned a lot about what to do. Sure. And I think we learned a lot about what we could do better. Absolutely. And, and on that note, um, what we did wrong, what, what, what we got wrong in the pandemic with, with using technology to, to connect with our kids, to educate them, to give them the knowledge, right? And, and not just the skills, but the knowledge of uh, what, what we want them to, to know to become these productive adults later, right? To, to go on to secondary mm -hmm. school, to go on to the military, to go on to a career, whatever the case may be. What will you say that the, the takeaways from that? Well, what were some of the things we did horribly wrong? And then we'll talk about some of the positive things that we, we learned out of that. Sure, I think some of the things that we learned around what maybe didn't work for virtual learning is I think the first thing, I think we already probably knew, but it solidified during that time, was that virtual learning, especially in those early formative years, is not always the best environment for all students. I think the virtual environment, first of all, needs to be a family decision. Um, are the support structures, is the infrastructure there, that if I'm at home learning, um, do I have support? where that you know a family member or a parent or some um, some support system is in place to help them navigate when the technology doesn't work or making sure that they're staying on top of, of that learning. Um, but I think for our, our youngest of learners, you know, foundational concepts are built and what, how we know the brain learns in those early years is very much with concrete artifacts. Students learning one-to-one -one correspondence by holding objects and making that correlation between I'm holding an object, that's one. I'm holding a second object, I have two objects now. And sometimes those things can be very difficult to replicate virtually. Absolutely. Um, and especially when I have 22 five-year-olds online. So I think we, we, we realized that some of the resources that we had, paper and pen, just trying to digitize them didn't necessarily yeah. translate well to virtual learning. Learning how to create small groups um, online was a challenge for a lot of our, our you know, we're, we're used to doing small groups in the classroom, but what did that look like online? And how do I create engaging lessons? I don't think that we did that all incredibly well. And we, we learned how important that is no matter the environment, whether it's digital or if it's in person. Right, sure. And, and I think a lot of times, just like us talking here together, we could have done this through a Zoom call, right? Yes. But it'd be a different experience. It would be a different experience. And I think you do get a lot of energy, a lot of feeling from people. You do. And, and as humans, I think we, we, are, we are definitely tribal people. And that's some of the problems we have, of course. And I think kids especially. Uh, kids are desperate for that affirmation. They're desperate to see on your face when they've had that aha moment and for you to celebrate with them. And that's a, that was a lot more difficult to capture that over a Zoom screen. But when I'm in person and I watch you problem solve and I watch you have that breakthrough moment and, and we experience that together, that cements that relationship. Right. And, and that was sometimes hard to replicate over a Zoom screen. Sure, and now th that being said, if we look at then all of the uh, tumultuous times to, to get the technology in the hands of the kids mm -hmm. and the cost of that. And, and we were talking about the bond the other day um, and, and the community as well, we did a piece about looking at the bond and the yes, shortfalls that we have coming up. Uh, we have the 50 million, I think, um, for the enterprise side, another 50 million for devices. Could you tell us a little bit about sort of how enterprise and then devices, why those are two separate things and how that sort of works a little bit in, in the understanding of setting up the infrastructure for a school system with this technology? Sure. Well, I, I think I've worked really hard to help communicate to our community. You know, there are very few organizations that 
do everything and provide services to their clientele, everything from transportation to counseling services to food nutrition to even technology enterprise. It's a lot. So yes, first and foremost, thanks to the support of our community and prior boards who created an investment in technology, recognized the power that technology can play for students and committed those bond resources for one-to-one -one technology. So during the pandemic, we were set to quickly move to one, a one-on-one -on -one environment. But technology devices, iPads and Chromebooks and Macs and a you know, an art computer lab don't work without a strong wireless infrastructure, without a strong you know, LAN and WAN system. And we have an entire department that is created around creating that infrastructure side so that students have dependable, reliable, redundant you know, technology services that when they go to log in, they can count on it, that it's safe. Right. Uh, cybersecurity continues to be a priority for all school districts, I think for all organizations. So we have to have cyber you know, uh, security experts on our team to ensure that the student's information is, is secure. I mean, it takes all of that if we're going to al allow technology to be a powerful part of everyday learning. No, that, that's, a great, that's a great point and, and, and a good stopping point. We are up on a, a break here to, to look at how we then utilize that technology to have those outcomes for our kids that are, that are most important, and that is to teach our kids what they need to learn. Yes. And how do we utilize those tools to do that? So we'll be right back. Multiple streams of income are the local business owner's new protection against inflation. If you enjoy sharing health insights and helping others live their healthiest lifestyle possible, you can create wealth for yourself and your family by doing what you love to do every day. Call 469-939-8933. Discover how to incorporate additional financial revenue into your love of health and wellness and the work you're already doing, using your time wisely and leveraging networks you already work with. Ready to learn more? Join the Wellness Institute's Corolla Bradas, subject of the book, Look Beyond Tomorrow, to help even more people realize their potential and achieve their health goals. Build a side business with products sourced in North America and protect your bottom line. Call 469-939-8933 today. That's 469-939-8933. Call now. How long has it been since you've updated your brand or restocked your promotional items? The more often people see your company logos and taglines, the more often your company comes to mind. That top of mind thinking is exactly what grows businesses and generates revenues. So at Big Feet Creations, I've dedicated my time and talent for over 30 years designing and illustrating print and digital products that people love and remember. Now we're adding website design and audio video editing too. Call Big Feet Creations at 469-450-7350. I'm a big guy and I've taken big steps to help you grow big. Big Feet Creations, 469-450-7350. Call today, that's 469-450-7350. Welcome back to Ewan, Me, and the ISD podcast. I'm your host, Ewan Blackman, sitting with Tabitha Branham, Superintendent of the Richardson ISD School District. And we've been just talking a little bit about technology and technology in the classroom. And uh, to, to, to segue that into looking at uh, virtual learning and a virtual learning academy, there was some discussion last year uh, about virtual learning. Um, the school board took a look at it, I think, in April of 2021. Uh, it was going to be about 1.5 million uh, to roll out. And I know that 
you're saying um, the RISD pulled back from uh, doing this uh, virtual learning academy. And as a, as a, um, as a teacher in a, in a virtual learning environment, I see certainly the benefits of the future. And again, I don't think this is a, a benefit for all students. I would say if I was to estimate about 20, 25% of our students could benefit from this type of or the style of learning. So if you could just address a little bit about why the RISD shied away from doing virtual learning as, as it stands, and then some of the other school districts I understand are, are trying to go into this as well, and some pulled back as well like the RISD did. Yes, I think this was really a time following the pandemic where we had to have some very focused conversations around how are we gonna spend our human and financial resources. I'm with you, I believe that virtual learning can be a very powerful environment for students and families who believe that it fits the needs of their students. However, we began to see, um, we offered an extended virtual learning even the second year into the pandemic where a lot of districts uh, either didn't offer it in the second year or ended it very quickly after the first six or nine weeks. We extended it throughout the school year. And really by the end of the first semester, we had less than 100 students that were still wow. engaged in virtual learning. So in the end, as you have mentioned, you know, we, we, all, every district in the state of Texas right now is challenged financially. Sure. Um, and we need to make sure that every dollar is really being focused on outcomes for students. If we're going to do virtual learning, I want to do, do it well and I want to be the best. And to do that, I knew we would need significant amount of, of resources, both on materials, because again, just taking something that you have in person now and digitizing, it oh, doesn't yeah. make that great for virtual learning. Cool. You know that. Right. You're an expert yeah, yeah. at that. Um, so to do that well meant that I was going to have to divert resources. And right now, in terms of responding to COVID learning loss that we know is a real thing, that was something that as a system, we were just not ready to take on. Yeah, and with all, all the ESSA funds to, to, to put into that, I think the RISD, we, the federal government, I think, dished out 100, was it 108 for us in, in terms it, of ESSA funds to go to various buckets? The main ESSA 3 funds, we received $68 million. 68 on the ESSA 3, okay, super. And and so that, that then goes to some of the positives that came out of that because we were able to spend money on doing Saturday schools, doing after-school tutoring, yes, things that were cost prohibitive in the past Absolutely. that we now had some funding to do. And and I'll be honest uh, with the audience, we, we had some really great looking scores come out um, from a number of schools, double digit increases um, in some of the uh, areas. I'll shout out to uh, Forest Meadow uh, Junior High. Me too. <laughs> out there, there you go. Uh, out there this morning taking a look at what they have going on uh, because I think they're doing some things very right and very, and very good um, from that. So I'll, I'll give Tabitha just a chance to highlight a couple of the, the, the successes from the STAR, some of the things we saw coming out, and then some of the challenges that we have going forward. Sure, I think the number one success that we saw in the spring assessment of STAR was we have many areas, 14 of 16 measures for meets and master's level of STAR performance for reading were at or above where we were pre-pandemic. Oh, wow. So pre-pandemic, so pre before, we, had before we even had the learning That's amazing. loss. So to see that kind of acceleration and that kind of recovery just is, is so significant. However, it's slower in the areas of math and science. Right. Um, again, that I, I, I mentioned earlier how concrete mathematics is for our students and you know for our third graders almost their entire early learning was during covid and you know as we were trying to keep our students safe trying to you know replicate concrete hands-on learning was sometimes challenging and so we know we have a lot of work to do in the area of math and science moving forward yeah absolutely and i think the schools show some of that uh, it does absolutely but then the more difficult question the challenging question will be how do we then look at the schools that had challenges 
and address some of that. I think some of my business folks would say, well, if I have somebody not performing in my job, I can just fire them. Uh, school districts are a little more complicated, a little more difficult than that. And obviously, we don't want to advocate for just firing people wholesale either, uh, because it is, as we said earlier, talking about your calling into teaching and my calling into teaching. So, so those are difficult things to, to navigate. Somebody who's called to do something that's a specialized skill set, you can't just go off and pick up another job somewhere else. So, so you want to walk that rope um, tenaciously at times. And so how, how would you do that? How would you navigate a school, for example, Forest Meadow Junior High did so amazingly well, shooting for 90 uh, yes, at the school level. That's, that's amazing. With other schools, not to be named, of course, because we don't come to our show, but, but other schools that are struggling and, and flailing a little bit to, to show any significant improvement over the last few years. How, how do we get them up to, to spec on that? Absolutely. I think that is absolutely the job of the system. And so each of our campuses have an area superintendent that help lead the efforts in that learning community. And so our area superintendents are charged with working with that principal to ensure that they're developing a campus improvement plan that's specific to the needs of that school. Right. Um, and if they're not seeing the same level of accelerated learning that we're seeing in some other schools, then we send those principals to identify those best practices. And if they're not implementing them, then just like we do with a teacher who may need support, we might put some additional supports in place for that principal or that campus to ensure that you know they have the same kind of gains that we know are possible because we see it in other areas. Okay, so, so sort of re, re uh What's the word? Reshuffling. Absolutely. Who's in leadership where? Because I think that's that's key. I think over Frost Meadow, talking with the principal uh, over there was was amazing. She does a fantastic job on top of it, using things like the Yonder Pouch. I know that's been a, a fairly uh, um, widespread discussion in our communities about this Yonder Pouch. There's just a few opinions on that. Just a few. Just, just a few. few. It's where, where you take your, your phone, you put it in a pouch at the beginning of the day, and it locks magnetically, and how that's uh, had a great impact on uh, discipline. And hopefully, the, uh, in the future, that'll be something that we roll out to all the schools. Um, but speaking of the future, perhaps we can give us a little uh, insight into your future for Richardson ISD. How are we going to get to that that destination district we used to talk about all the time, destination district? How do we get there where all our kids are achieving in all the schools, not just some that are doing fantastically well? If you were to ask anyone, um, what is, who is Tabitha Branham and what is she about, they're going to tell you, I'm about every child every day. Um, and that's not just plight words, that is my passion. Every child has to be seen, every child has to belong, every child has to know their value. And at, at the end, how do we ensure to every one of our parents and our guardians that at the end of the day, their child is leaving better emotionally, socially, and academic, academically. And if we're doing that, every child every day, great outcomes will happen for all 37,319 students. That's awesome. And we look forward to that time and we look forward to partnering with the Richardson ISD and your own school district to help affect those outcomes, to help change the lives of kids so they can become these great grown up, well-adjusted adults who will be great contributors, great contributors to our society. So thank you again for tuning in. Thank you to Tabitha Branagh for being my guest today. It's been an amazing show. Thank you. And we hope we'll have some more of these conversations. Yes, sir. I think they're very instructive for all of our folks. And until next time, this has been Ewan, me and the ISD podcast. I've been your host, Ewan Blackman on the OBBM Network. Thank you. You've been listening to the You and Me and the ISD podcast on the OBBM Network podcast. For guests and sponsor information, reach out to Ewan at 214-901-5013. For programming information and permissions to reproduce all or portions of this podcast, please call 214-714-0495. You and Me and the ISD podcast are protected under copyright law and reproduction without permission is strictly prohibited. Follow the OBBM Network podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember to leave us a review. Thank you for listening. Share this with your friends and family for a proactive approach to solving issues in our school districts.